Welcome to the Honey Drop, your all-access pass to the Hamilton Honey Badgers. I'm Andrew Damelin, and today we're joined by someone that Lindell Wigginton, a Nova Scotian native, calls the Nova Scotian GOAT. And you can't argue with him, actually. He is a U-17 Nova Scotia national champion, Atlantic University sport, first team all-star, conference MVP, conference champion. I'm stumbling over all the accolades. A U-sports first team all-Canadian after leading the Dalhousie Tigers in points, steals, rebounds, and assists, and a national silver medalist and a current swingman for the Honey Badgers. His name is Kivan Vino. Kivan, how are you? Fine, thanks. Uh Thank you for the quite the introduction. You're welcome. I'm sorry I butchered a couple of them, but uh, but I, but I got through it. And you know you're Canadian, Kevan, because the first couple of times I spoke with you, I thought I heard over the PA system that your name was Kevan, and I kept on calling you Kevan, and you never corrected me. So <laughs> this is how I know you're a Canadian. How often does that happen? The Kevan versus Kevan. It happens more often than not. So I'm sort of anything along the lines of Kevin. I usually just respond with <laughs> that's funny because your dad is named kevin um yeah. but apparently you know as we're going to explore uh you know that's part of a whole basketball lineage uh, that you have you're from port williams nova scotia a population of about a thousand people your dad kevin was an aus national champion or sorry regional champion i should say your mother also a three-time aus champion your uh, twin sister an aus regional champion and a few days later you won uh the aus championship so this obviously runs in the family but i'm wondering growing up in port williams what is your first vivid basketball memory oh uh first memory would definitely be back when mom and dad were running a program called below the rim we were all very young there was port williams or more specifically planner square which is the subdivision that we grew up in sort of blossoms around the early 2000s with people around my parents' age. So we had a lot of friends, a lot of kids our age, as well as my older sister. And mom and dad started a basketball program for them when I believe she was five. So Jade and I would have been three. And instead of getting a babysitter, it was just easier for them to just bring us with them. So I, I don't have a specific first memory, but it was, it was at Port Williams Elementary School with that cohort of people, with my sister's friends while uh, mom and dad were running that program. And I imagine the Vino family is legendary in Atlantic Canada. Uh, but, you know, again, coming from Port Williams, where did this originate? Do you know with your parents where the love of basketball originated? Um, mom and dad both just played basketball for, for my knowledge for most of their life. I think mom started when she was younger than dad, but neither of their parents played basketball. I guess it happened organically. They just fell in love with it. And here we are now. So, Yeah, and, and there seems to be, in terms of falling in love with the game, there seems to be a joy that, that you play with. And I imagine that went from the time you were a kid to, to now. And as, as you know, as we, we like to tr- sort of travel the journey of the Honey Badgers players and coaches. Um, and so as, as we go to the next step that I'm going to jump to, it, it's high school. And your father coached you at Horton High. What are the biggest benefits of being coached by your father? Uh, yeah, dad coached me pretty much my whole way up, uh, except for things like summer programs. But until I came to Dalhousie, basically the only coach that I was that I was familiar with for the most part was dad. So there were many benefits that came with that. Uh, there was definitely the behind the scenes, you know, where 
you drive to a game together, you play the game, and then you drive back. He's your coach and he's your dad. And then you get a, you get to hear both perspectives from a coach and a dad. And um, one of the benefits, probably the biggest benefit is he's a, he's a very gifted, he's smart basketball uh, player. He has a lot of knowledge and he's done a fantastic job with sharing that knowledge with me, as well as my mom, but more specifically my dad in this scenario from those car rides and uh, just watching basketball in the basement. And he really gave me that knowledge to which I now play with. Now, in terms of the basketball, you guys watched together. Did you watch NBA together? Did you have a team or a player that you gravitated towards that maybe he tried to teach you to gravitate towards? Uh, no, not specifically. Dad was always a big Lakers fan and mom was a Celtics fan. So there was sort of that rivalry in like the 2008, 2009 era when uh, Kobe and Paul Pierce were playing in the finals. But growing up at a young age, I always idolized Steve Nash, rightfully so. And then it got mm-hmm. to a point where... Uh, it changed to Dwight Howard. And to this day, I'm not sure why. I've never been a post player. I never wanted to be a post player, but I just, Dwight Howard was my guy. So I was a big Orlando Magic fan and uh, it was interesting for sure. But then after Dwight Howard sort of fell off when he got traded around, I guess I then went to Russell Westbrook. And ever since then, I guess I've sort of been a fan of Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry and just those point guards that can do more than just pass. Okay, it's amazing that you brought up Russell Westbrook. And there's a couple of things I want to talk about in that answer. Uh, let's go to Westbrook first, because there's, there's one highlight. You know, your highlights are actually kind of hard to come by online. I try to do a, you know, a good, thorough search to, to see your previous to Hamilton Honey Badger stuff. And there's some montages here and there from Dalhousie. And when you were at North Pole Hoops, when you were like 16, 17 years old. But yeah. there's this one move that I wrote that was Westbrookian. Um, it, was against, it was against Saint, the St. Mary's Huskies. Do you know what I'm talking about as soon as I mention that? Yes, I do. Okay, so if, if I could describe part the beginning of it and you can finish the story, um, and this is just a quick highlight that I saw. It's your team's on offense, obviously. There's You've gotten like three or four offensive rebounds. Eventually, it gets kicked out to you at the top of the key. You put a crossover on someone. I think it was his name, Janiel Johnson. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so you put a crossover on Janiel Johnson – one more dribble, and then not only do you throw it down so hard, but it's it's the Westbrookian anger at the rim that was like particularly notable. Do you remember the feeling like not dunking it, but but like right before you dunked it when you knew that the guy who was gonna pretend to challenge you at the lane was was about to be posterized? Uh I did not. That like you said, it was a very hectic play. It was a lot of I think there was four offensive, three or four offensive rebounds. And once I got the dribble down the down the paint, it was in a position where that's a sort of me, Westbrook and I do have the same approach. It's the inside right left jump, and I just I had that footwork, and I was like hesitant at first because I didn't know if someone was going to jump. Sure enough, weak side didn't step in enough, and I just jumped up, and uh, I just dunked it as hard as I could, and I, I don't even know if I got fouled, but. I think I think the play stopped and like you know I see you know I've I went to the University of Guelph I watched a ton of uh, well CIS ball now U Sports ball and guys in warmups can pull that kind of dunk off but I've never I had never seen in U Sports someone pull off a dunk in game like that did you surprise yourself with how sort of ferocious that dunk was uh, looking back in the film yeah I, I think I did because I I, did, I never really saw footage of me dunking like that and to see it happen in game it was a uh, it was pretty cool to watch. 
Yeah, it, it's, it is amazing to watch. It's hard to find, but it is amazing to watch. And uh, it, it's amazing with, with Westbrook being that type of person, perhaps you in some ways modeled your game after. And that's a great comparison. I was thinking of a couple of players. They're a little bit from a little bit further back, a guy named Brent Barry. He's a comment. He was a commentator. Now he's with, he's with the Spurs for a period. He plays with this sort of freedom, but also but with Westbrook, there's more of that. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's competitive fire or a rage or whatever it is, but what else about Westbrook's game do you really sort of gravitate towards other than that athletic aspect of it? I, I, I always did enjoy his competitive nature and I, I was a big fan of uh, OKC when him and KD were there, but it wasn't really until after Kevin Durant left where I became like a bigger fan of him because I think that was also a time when I was in grade 11, I believe, which is when I first started dunking consistently. So ever since young age, I've always wanted to dunk. It's always been the dream. I always practice on like eight foot nets down at the park, but it wasn't until I was that age or I could then start doing it and seeing the way that Russell Westbrook was doing it. I guess you could say I kind of modeled my dunking style after that subconsciously, but yeah, I guess, I guess that would really be it. How much time do you spend defending the honor of Russell Westbrook to your friend? Because he gets more slander than praise these days. He does. And I remember at a young age, there was a, I used to get into an argument with a couple of friends of who was going to be better, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, or, or Russell Westbrook. And I was always, I always thought it was going to be Russell Westbrook, which he did get an MVP, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Steph Curry, Steph Curry. So tough to argue that one, but I always had his back, but uh, it's not much of a discussion anymore. So not too much time. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he, you know, and he's having a, Amazing, you know, he's had what triple doubles averaging in four of the last five years. And people have gone from this is the greatest stat ever to it's absolutely meaningless. Um, and I imagine it's somewhere not just in between, but closer to it's 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 pretty amazing. So again, that's a great guy to to model uh, at least part of your game after. And uh, so you know, as we move along, you said you're in grade eleven, you start to um, more so model your game after Westbrook, but you go on to Dalhousie and uh, you have a solid first couple of seasons there. But then in your third season, you become the leading everything getter in terms of the the stat sheet. And the, the one big jump that I noticed, obviously, is you went from eight points, I think, in your second season, a game to 15.6 in the in the next year. What changed, if you remember at all, during that offseason that made you allow, allow yourself to double your production? I think there was two big things for me that offseason. First one is we started working out more consistently in Dalhousie. The Dowplex was renovated. We got like a high performance varsity gym and that we would go into quite frequently and we got a trainer. And so that summer we, uh, the guys who were there worked out uh, pretty seriously, which I think was the first part. I became stronger, more often. Trainers, trainers are good. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely help. (laughs) And the second thing was, I think it was for me personally, was just like the flip of a, a mindset where I became more confident. And I just, every time I stepped on the floor, I had the mindset that I was the best player on it. And I just had to play with that sort of aggression and like confidence, which I think is something that makes me the basketball player that I am just the ability to just, you know, just block everything else out and just like convince myself that I'm there for a reason that I'm, I'm as good as anyone else here, which has been a super helpful since coming to the CEBL as well. But that jump from second to third year definitely followed because of those two decisions or not decisions. Um, the working out consistently, getting my body right, and uh, that mindset change. 
there's quite a parallel, uh, as you probably noticed in your answer, between like a mindset change in from year to year at Dalhousie in terms of your aggressiveness and your and your belief in yourself, and perhaps a mindset change between games four and five of the current CEBL season. We did talk about it a little bit after your fifth game of the season, but you know you come into the CEBL like a professional basketball league. You've never played at a higher level than university sports and with due respect to you sports. And it's funny, whenever you say with due respect to something, you're all, you're about to disrespect it. But in any case, with due respect to you sports, this is a much higher level. There are NBA prospects, guys with NBA experience um, who've played in not only the, the NBA, but the G League, Euro, Euro etc. You're jumping a whole another no- level. You haven't played competitive basketball in 16 months. First of all, before we get to that confidence jump, just going into game one, do you do you remember just the the speed adjustment, the just the overall differences between a competitive U Sports game and a competitive CEBL game? Looking back at it, I can now, but it, like in the moment, I couldn't because, like you said, it was I don't know. You said sixteen months. It was, it was a very long time from the last time that I played basketball. So it was sort of just like all of that was just forgotten, and then it was playing first game in Edmonton against like the defending champs sort of just like being thrown into the fire more or less in that scenario. But uh, there wasn't like an immediate, I was like, this is, this pace is a lot faster or guys are way better. Cause it was just the first time playing basketball in so long. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, I listen, not that I'm, I'm incomparable to your experience. I just remember going grade nine on the junior team and then grade 10, I was on the varsity team. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is just a way, <laughs> this is just a way different game. Um, yeah, but you come into the, Right. You, you, it's true. And you, you come into the league and you know, you're, you're part of the U sports draft. There, there is a quota of U sports players that have to be on a team. So is, does that at all provide you like a chip on the shoulder where you have to be on the team? It's not like you're the best player presumed beforehand. Does it, that make you want to prove yourself even more when you came into the league? I, I think it did because for most people, there's a decent amount of players in the league that played like D1 in the States or like you said, overseas or in G League. And then they're just, there's like the, the default eSport players, which I think kind of can be seen from the outside lines. as like just, just like an incentive or like giving back to basketball in Canada. So for people who didn't know who I was coming into training camp for the season, I was just deemed as this eSport guy from what I'm sure they knew. Uh, that definitely did have a chip on my shoulder. Just like, I believe that I was there for a reason. And although I do play U sport basketball for uh, it's where I'm going to play university or studying in university, I did belong there. That's the way I felt. Yeah. This confidence level seems to be, it's very helpful. And you, you go along <laughs> through the first uh, four games of the season, you're playing seven, eight, 12, 13 minutes. And I remember, you know, this is the first time I'd ever watched you live. And I'm like, this guy seems really interesting. Um, he's got these taller. He's got this nice handle. He seems to play free. And then you look at the statue, just like Coach Schmidt said, and said, he's not playing any minutes. I need to find more minutes for him. And then finally, in the fifth game of the season, he puts you into the starting lineup. Do you remember the, the jolt and confidence that you felt when you were inserted into the starting lineup for the fifth game? It, uh, it definitely was a confidence booster because... I was playing seven, eight minutes a game or whatever it was to then just going into the starting lineup. And uh, the first game against Guelph, I didn't play that much. I ended up finishing the game because I think three guys fouled out. We only had 10 guys in the rotation. 
So I mm-hmm. uh, had two big free throws in that game. I think those were the only points I scored. And then a couple of days later, coach came up to me and just asked how things were going. I was like, good. And he's like, all right, you're starting. <laughs> and I kind of just like laughed under my breath. I was like, what? <laughs> why? I mean, like last game I played, like, I was just, I wanted to know why. And he's like, well, it was, it was tough finding minutes for you with uh, three yards on the bench. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, he said good things were happening when I was on the floor and he just woke up that morning. He said, script, I'll start and see what happens. And uh, him just telling me that just, you know, like, I'm sure there was like an immediate like flare in my eyes or just like my eyes lit up or there would have been some type of like physical reaction where you probably saw he's like, okay, change is there. There's confidence back. And uh, just starting with those guys, like uh, Lindell and Trey and JV and Khalif, like when you're out there with guys that are that good, like, I think there's a reason why. So there was a big confidence boost from that. It's a really fun starting lineup, uh, you know, with you, Trayvon and Lindell, like both, oh, sorry, all three of you guys can handle the ball, can create your own shot. And you guys seem to feed off each other. And with that conversation that you had with coach Schmidt, you know, I spoke with him for the podcast for the first week and, and I've had a quasi relationship for four years because I cover the Raptors 905 as well. And he's the assistant coach there. And over the years, there have been players in interviews that just give offhand shout outs to Coach Schmidt because of all the work that he's put in with them. He, he develops these connections with players of, of all ilks, whether they're low level, you know, bench guys on the G League to, to guys with NBA contracts that are just sort of trying to tune up while they're in the G League. Have you sort of also found that level of, of empathy and just someone who cares about his players and coach Smith. Yeah, there, there's definitely a, a different level of connection with coach Smith. Uh, when I was talking to him before I got drafted, he said like, there were a couple of big things that he really keys in on. And one is like player coach relationships. And another one is like player development. And uh, every single thing that he said, like before I was drafted has shown to be true. I think he really understands. He's a very understanding coach, but I think that he gets that, you know, like, the connection is more than just a coach and a player. It's like, it's a relationship for life. And so he does a great job emulating that through practices and games and everything that we do. And um, how is that game to game thing? Cause one of my earliest memories again with coach Schmidt is coming into the Mississauga building where he coaches the 905 and he's sitting next to a guy going over film with, without fail. He's always going over film with, with guys. What is the level of detail that he's shown you as a professional coach that perhaps you hadn't quite seen previous to that with all due respect to Rick Plato and co. I think it goes uh, to our coaching staff because, you know, like we had, we had a shoot around today and there's like individual film sessions throughout it. So like a coach will call you over and show you some clips of things that you did well, some things that you did wrong. And uh, just like, there's that learning curve there, but yeah, the attention to detail for the film with Ryan is, it's incredible. Like we'll watch, he'll, there'll be like certain clips just like a small number where it'll be like the most minor thing. He's like, when you make this cut, you got to go through the elbow because if you do that, bang, bang, whatever, that's why. And everything that he says, same with all of our assistant coaches holds to be true. So you got to listen to them when they tell you, because apparently they know. (laughs) Yeah. The level of detail is so interesting. And I watch you out there and, you know, listen, I'm a huge basketball lover and I love the, X's and O's side of it as well, but I will never profess to be this X's and O's type of guy. But I do try to to, to look and see what's going on within the team. And it seems like a big thing he's working on, not just with you, but also with Trayvon and with Lindell, is these reads 
after you sort of get that first step into the lane, am I going to kick it out? Am I going to shoot a floater? Am I going to try to get fouled? Am I going to try to throw an alley-oop to Khalif? Am I seeing things or is that something that's really worked on and that's that's something that you really improved on? Those reads after you get into the lane. Yeah, that's that's something big that we practice and it's something that I personally have to work on a lot. Like There, there was, a, I think, the most recent game against Guelph or the last one, uh, there was a ball screen for me to come off and throw a lob to Khalif. And that was like the primary action. I threw like a drift pass to Lindell in the corner and it was, it wasn't a good pass. I ended up going out of bounds and then looking over film being like, I was reading the wrong defender. And so the guy mm-hmm. who was guarding Lindell was still with him. Therefore, Khalif would have been open and just like nailing that into our heads where we're expected to be past our man. And then after that, we have to make a read based on bottom line defender or who's helping out. It's so it's such a beautiful thing to hear to hear that that level of detail. That's the stuff that I'm trying to learn. So I appreciate you and Coach Schmidt actually uh, pointing it out to me. And we're over halfway through the season now. It's a short season, obviously. We are on a six-game winning streak, and you're approaching the playoffs. And once the season's done, is, is your plan to go back to Dalhousie for a final year? Yeah, I still have one more year at Dalhousie. So when you get back there, are you going to be like? I mean, you, you said you felt like you you were the best player on the court going into your third year, what do you expect your confidence level to be at, at the U sports level after this experience? I think it'll just be as high as it ever was. Uh, I, I, I don't know if the confidence goes hand in hand with the level that I'm playing at, whereas just the way that I see it. So I don't, I don't think I'll go back and I'll be like even more confident than ever, but uh, the confidence will still be there and help both me and the team do what we have to do to win. That's awesome. No. And you, the team's doing everything it can to win. In the last game, actually, did you know beforehand that it was going to be like lesser minutes uh, coming in? No. No. So how do you react to something like that when you've you've had those two couple starts where your play sort of gets better and better? It was all against the same team. Were you surprised by that? Did you sort of get an explanation? Did you need an explanation? How did you react to that? You know, it's it's sort of how the game works. Some games you play well, you play lots of minutes. Other games you don't play as well, so you play less minutes. Maybe other guys are playing what, playing better than you are, so it's sort of... You got to come into play every day. Although I did start, you know, there's no reason for me to, there's, I have to prove that I should play as many minutes as I do. And when we played Niagara the other day, I wasn't playing as good as I have been playing. And so I think that's why I got, I got less minutes than I did the few games before, but it's, uh, you know, like I said, that's, that's how sports done. That's how the game's played. So it's forget it, flush it onto the next game. The games themselves have been super exciting, but I'm I'm always curious about the practice battles. What are those practice battles like between you, Trayvon, and Lindell? And how much have they taught you just by playing against them in practice? Definitely a lot. I mean, like their decision making of like the things that we just talked about of, of making the right read is incredible. So just watching or playing against them, they tend to always make the right decision, which is something that I have to start doing as well. But uh, I think the biggest thing with our practice is like the energy is always there. When we're on the floor together, there's like a certain energy and like a camaraderie that, that we bring. And I think it's like championship level energy. That's sort of like what we're priding ourselves after. You know, it's a beautiful thing to see because there are times in the game where you might need a boost of energy and you'll make a three in, in, a, in a couple of second halves. It seems like there's no energy. Then you make a three in the entire bench, including led by Lindell, goes nuts. And so you see that this team is connected. And that's, I'm sure, a huge part due to Coach Schmidt and, and the leadership of, of his coaching staff and, and Lindell. I'm sure it goes top to bottom, starts from the top down. And it really is a fun team to watch. Winning aside, it's a team that appears together and connected. 
And it's been an absolute pleasure for me to be able to watch it courtside live. Just like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to go to a basketball game. So it's been a huge pleasure for me to watch. And uh, it's been a pleasure uh, to have you on the podcast, Kivan. We really appreciate it. We wish you nothing but success. And hopefully soon enough, this level of play uh, won't be a surprise to anyone anymore. Hopefully not. <laughs>